computer. Okay. All right. Uh, so I guess we can um, get started here. Uh, Gold, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, sure. We are live okay. on Facebook. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Gulafsham from Sakhar IB University. We have a guest speaker for this session. The session is about the scholarly writing and publishing. Uh, we have a guest speaker, uh, Dr. Anil from uh, US. He is PhD in Human and Organizational Development from uh, University Fielding Graduate University of the USA. He has facilitated many in-depth workshops. Uh, and this, uh, the most important and favorite part is that he's expert in phenomenology and grounded theory. So we are going to learn a lot from this session, I hope so. And uh, this session is very interesting because this is about the scholarly writing and publishing. And uh, most of the master research and PhD students and uh, the professors like me are still struggling to find, to search out the art of writing uh, and publishing our research article. So I hope we will have a lot. We will have a good takeaway from this session from Dr. Anil. So thank you so much, Doctor. Uh, over to you. Okay, thank you so much. And uh, yeah. thanks for the introduction, Dr. Gul, and uh, welcome to our scholarly writing and uh, publishing workshop. So we have, uh, we've had about 160 individuals that registered, mostly from uh, India and Pakistan, followed by some other countries in Europe and Middle East. Um, and uh, of course, it is also being uh, webcast live uh, on the mm -hmm. IBS Sakhar um, University uh, website in Pakistan. So we are very grateful to Dr. Gul and her team for arranging this, um, uh, this uh, event so that a lot more people can take some, something from the event and um, you know, uh, begin to hone in their process of scholarly thinking and scholarly writing. Um, I just wanted to give you some statistics based on the registrations that we received. And uh, they're very interesting statistics to me. Um, the first of all, um, the composition of the registered individuals is 75% female to 25% male, okay? Which is not surprising. A lot of people um, uh, that are uh, drawn to academia tend to be women. Uh, we have in our midst 23.4% people who already have their PhDs, okay? So there are 23.4% uh, of you that currently have your PhDs. 31.3% are undergrads. Okay, just keep that in mind. And 11.3% have their MS or MPhil degrees. Now, what is really exciting to me here is that 31.3% of the people that registered for this workshop are undergraduate students. Just think about it. So think about the, their curiosity and their interest in uh, learning scholarly writing and, 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 and publishing. And, what, and, and exciting to me when, they, when such young people um, uh, who are just starting out in their academic careers are taking so much interest in the process of writing and publishing. It also tells me how important that um, that skill is to people. So thank you all for, for joining. Now, another statistic was that 
In the group, we have about 55.6% uh, that have no published papers. So more than half of the group have not published any papers. Uh, when I say that, I'm not just meaning publishing in a magazine or publishing an article here and there, but I'm talking about journal publishing. Okay, serious stuff. Okay. Um, and 35.6% people have published one to five papers. So about 35.6% of, of you have either one paper or at least, or, or, or at the most of five papers, between one and five papers, which is also really exciting. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna keep today's session very interactive because I believe in interactive sessions. I don't believe in boring lectures where everybody is just listening to the material, taking in the content and, and at the end of it, not doing anything much with it. What I've really found is that to be true. Okay, so my goal uh, always is to draw you out rather than me doing all the talking and showing you all this boring content, which is not gonna make mean much to you. I would like to draw your voices into the dialogue so that others can also benefit um, whatever challenges you're facing, whatever uh, predicaments you're facing with uh, writing, we can address them over here. Okay. Um, there is a chat box there. I, I'm sure all of you are familiar with it. Within that chat box, there is a icon, which is sort of like a raise hand icon. So when we open up this segment, any of the segments for uh, Q and A, uh, you can click on that raise hand icon and your hand will go up. So Gul is going to know, Gul by the way is our moderator, Dr. Gul Afshan. Uh, Gul is going to know that you want to say something. So she's going to coordinate and moderate that process. And she'll convey the question and then I will try to field the question to the best of my ability. And those questions that cannot be answered during the session, uh, we will definitely make it a point to follow up with the group after the session and provide you some of the answers to the best of our ability and knowledge. Um, so that is as far as that. I've talked about the raise hand icon. Um, I did not assign any pre-conference readings and that was done for with a purpose. If I had given you a lot of readings and resources to look at, all you would be doing is getting into the theory of it, uh, getting bogged down with the technicalities, but not getting any practice out of it. Uh, so I wanted, just in the, in, the, in the interest of making it all interesting for everybody and also pragmatic and useful, I wanted to make sure that uh, you all have a chance to, to interact with us. And I also, if you remember, um, uh, that I asked a lot of you to submit your abstracts and I'd given a very specific instruction that I wanted short abstracts. I didn't want anything long. I didn't want to see your entire papers. Uh, that was not the intent. I just wanted to see how you craft an abstract, okay? Uh, because crafting an abstract is perhaps one of the most difficult things you will ever do when you're doing a research study. And that is where a lot of your rejections from journals come. You may have a wonderful piece of writing with all the data, all the statistics, but if you do not have mastery over building and crafting a well-written, cogent um, abstract, 
you're going to be in trouble. They will just reject you or, or they will send you send for more iterations and, 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 and things of that nature. So please remember the abstracts are not supposed to be flowery and bombastic. I've seen some abstracts, they go into like 500 words. Do you really think anybody has the time to read 500 words? Your abstract should not be more than 200 to 250 words. And we'll cover that in more detail here. Academic authors, um, uh, I was reading from there, but let me also finish here. Time permitting, we'll discuss at least three or four of the abstracts that I had sort of earmarked, selected from all the submissions that I received, which I felt were simply done, but they covered all the basics of writing a good abstract. So we will, I will showcase them and we will go over the, some of these abstracts if we have some time. Uh, our learning and sharing, of course, won't stop with this conference. This is only the beginning. Um, I am personally available to anyone that wants to seek my guidance in uh, developing and honing your scholarly writing skills in crafting articles and crafting abstracts or otherwise get involved in your research process. So if you're doing a doctoral research um, and you're looking for guidance and coaching, I will be more than happy to work with you individually and we can discuss that offline. Um, so with that, let me get started and I'm gonna to try to go back to the, um, to my first slide. Of course, that was the master slide here. Let me go into this and let's talk about, this is the stuff that really grips a lot of aspiring authors. The negative feelings that you attribute to the process of writing. And what are those negative feelings? Let's, let's take a look at this slide. And um, I want, I'd like to thank, uh, Springer International, uh, their 2016. This is a book that's written by them. So I extracted that from there. Uh, this is not my image. The copyright is attributed to um, Springer. Okay, just so everybody knows. And we will be sharing that entire resource with you post the conference. All right, but let's just take a look at some of these, uh, the blocks here. Getting stuck. Okay, I'm going to run my cursor here. Getting stuck, feeling helpless. Hey, all of us have probably experienced that writer's block, right? That you want to write a piece. You have an exciting topic in mind. You have all these ideas flowing in your mind about, hey, I want to put it on paper. But you get stuck somewhere. You are just not able to understand what it is that is holding you back. We refer to it as a writer's block. But I think there's much more going on there. So let's take a look at some of the other stuff. The fear, the worry, the anxiety, the turmoil. And especially those academics that are part of universities where there is a pressure to publish. This really truly applies to them. It's the fear. If I don't publish by such and such deadline, I may actually be you know, on probation, they might put me on probation until I get the paper done. 
you know and um so this is a, this is a source of anxiety turmoil because your livelihood is depending upon publishing all right okay so let's keep that in mind then the rambling digressing drifting when you're writing you just cannot come to the point you have so many ideas crowding your mind and you want to write about all of them that you get so bogged down with overload that nothing is really coming out all right and you're wondering why you're not able to to put it down on paper all right so the digressing the rambling the becoming too discursive uh, and not getting to the point is another roadblock that a lot of you are going to face the feeling overwhelmed swamped so you have this feeling oh my god what have i gotten myself into now i have to sit down and write a 15 page article or worse still if you're doing your doctorate you have to write a dissertation all right but before you even get to the dissertation stage you have to write a proposal and even before you get to the proposal stage you have to write a concept note to your committee what is it that is the topic of your research how are you going to go about it uh, just three or four pages but and and so sometimes i've found that people are trying to put a concept note in 25 30 pages as though they're writing a mini dissertation well guess what nobody's going to look at it your skill as a scholar your skill as a researcher is to understand the essence that sometimes less is more so you have to have this scholarly skill of bringing together a lot of ideas in your head and be able to present them in a way that becomes cogent in a way that becomes something that someone can look at and say wow this is a really well written abstract right so this feeling of feeling overwhelmed if i am i going to do the right thing is somebody going to look at it so this you're feeling all swamped this confusion disorientation awkwardness all right so i'm not going to go to the rest of them but just get the feeling that you are in a unknown territory and whenever you are in the unknown as you well know there is a lot of anxiety that gets triggered in you and you just cannot get out of that fog you get into a mental fog and you wonder if you are you ever be going to be able to put the pieces together in a way that is expected out of you all right so that's the negative feelings attributed to writing the writing process now before i get into the writing process i want to open this forum up for just a few minutes and maybe i'll go back to the same slide and i want to hear from some of you who can relate to some of these fears some of these feelings on that slide and talk to us about what it is that you have felt what it is that is holding you back from putting together a wonderful topic writing a short abstract or writing a paper so what is it that's holding you back i'd like to hear from you so go uh, yeah so by a show of hands 
Um, yeah. And those of you that don't know where the hand icon is, just go into the chat panel and you will see a link there. Um, if you click on that link, there'll be a little raise hand icon there. And if you do that, uh, we can we can get you started there. Anyone who can uh, who wants to share his or her experience regarding these factors that we really feel while writing a dissertation or writing a paper, or then we feel that uh, even after rejection of a paper, yeah, yes, Mn Tunio. Is it Mr. Tunio? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. How are you? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. Muhammad, yeah, thank Muhammad you so to speak here. I want to share her my latest experience. Okay. What I what I experienced that when we are writing or we are working on any draft, uh, such as a conference paper, journal paper, or dissertation. Okay. While uh, working upon that, we are emotionally attached to our work as well, mm -hmm. and we expect a lot from that uh, 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 progress. And uh, after submissions, we belong expectations that we will get a uh, good response. And we always, uh, because we cannot uh, think negative for our contributions. Yes. And sometimes what happens that we uh, get rejections or not good response from supervisor. And that uh, affects negatively to our the uh, going on work, which we are going, uh, doing already. Same as, such as I am sharing your experience mm -hmm. that uh, Last week, I have received one acceptance of uh, paper, mm -hmm. and after that, uh, continuously, I received th uh, three rejections. Oh boy! <laughs> okay, yeah. Two rejections of the abstract and one rejection of a paper okay. from a very good journal. Okay. So, uh, because uh, I uh, follow always top approach, I start a submission from top journals. Then I uh, come to the uh, average and below average so that I can get uh, understand the phenomena of journals and how they behave, how they, they treat the scholars and uh, drafts and what are the issues they are responding or addressing. Mm -hmm. So in the same way, uh, since last two days, I'm working on one book chapter which uh, is near to finish. I'm going to submit uh, now and decided there is another paper uh, which I have received minor reviews. I was very emotional to work on that, but after receiving those uh, rejections, I am feeling a bit negative and low to perform and give my same dedication contribution to my ongoing work. Ah, interesting. So here is uh, uh, Mr. Tunio brings in this aspect of the fear of rejection, yeah, which uh, is not in that in that uh, in the uh, image. Uh, uh, we, we we are always mentally prepared for the both situations that we can get sometimes rejection or sometimes uh, acceptance or maybe minor or major revisions. Mm -hmm. But these are uh, unavoidable factors which affect our mental or psychological health or our performance, which even we can understand that we can receive uh, rejection, but we cannot digest it immediately. It takes time to overcome that feelings that uh, situations that create creates right. negative. Feelings for the work, rest of other kind of the work. I yeah, think. It's, it's so. So really, what is what you're saying is, what you're saying is, you know, in your mind, in your heart, that not everything that you submit is going to be accepted. However, um, even knowing that you're going to face some rejection, it's difficult to metabolize the rejection. It is difficult yeah. to process the rejection without it getting to you so badly 
that you feel totally crippled by it. You feel that, yeah. oh my goodness, what's the point? Let me just give it up, give up the ghost right now. And why, why put my heart and soul into writing when it's only going to be rejected? But if, yeah. we take that, if we take that attitude, none of us is going to be write, able to write anything worthwhile, right? So you have to be able to, and this, and we'll talk about this some more, but thank you for sharing that. And let's give the floor to somebody else because I wanted to, before Iman, we get into the floor. Iman, Iman, Iman wants to talk. Yes, Iman. Oh, Iman, Iman, go ahead. First of all, hello, everyone. Okay, I need to share like two things. I hope you can hear me. Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Uh, Iman, where, are, like you, where I, are you located right now? You're in Sweden, correct? Yeah, I'm in Sweden. Sweden, okay, good. Okay. Uh, so, uh, I recently I sent one of my papers for publication. Okay. Um, it's still in the process. I don't know it's been accepted or rejected. They say they'll tell me after six months or so. Okay. So, that's a constant worry. But okay. the first problem that I encountered with that paper was it was an experimental research design and mm -hmm. it was like a prototype uh, effects of prototype on your decision making. Oh, interesting. Uh, what happened is that I, when I researched, there was a lot of things that I found out in that paper, like mm -hmm. gender differences and even cultural differences and the law, how that has been affected during the decision making and all that. Mm -hmm. But when I had to write the paper, I had a limit of only four pages. And mm -hmm. since it was an experimental design, I couldn't change my experiment. Mm. And what I had to do was to cut that into two like research papers. And I didn't feel like the one that I sent was sufficient enough to say, okay, somebody did some work and found out something. Correct. So I, I know I'm, I'm just worried maybe it will get rejected and I have to do something more about it. Yeah, so the, your worry, your worry man is going to continue until the paper, until you get some decision and some closure on that paper, whether yeah. it's being accepted or that you have to make some modifications, changes, edits. Yeah. But that, that's one thing is that the other problem is that mm. I couldn't send all the findings that I had in mm -hmm. that one research paper because of the word limit. Because uh, uh, it was an experimental design, I have mm. to change the questionnaires or paragraphs or anything in that. Yes. That caused a lot of problem with the word limit. And so yes. they don't have this word limit with them. Absolutely. You have Absolutely. to manage that. Yes. So you're, you're, that you're, from, yeah. So Iman brings problem. a very important aspect here about the word limit. What is a word limit? It's a boundary that's been drawn. So if a journal is asking you to put together a, a paper or an article in X number of words, say 10,000 words or 8,000 words, and you're sending an article in 20,000 words, guess what's going to happen to your article, your submission, it, right? No they're, they're probably not even going to look at it. Yeah. Go ahead. But, but it, for me, it's like, I don't understand one thing. It varies. Like it's the type of research we are conducting. If it's a quantitative right. or something, yes. then one can manage it or, you know, cut it down. Yes. But if you're doing running an experimental design where the whole experiment is being designed, mm -hmm. then you can, if you don't introduce your variables, then you are cutting, uh, then like, as in, you can't cut down your experiment. Otherwise the person who's reading it will not right. get what happened. Right, right. 
Oh, thank you for sharing that, Iman. Yeah, let's go to the next. Um, anybody else who wants to say something about this? Yeah, Anuga. Okay. Who is this? Hi, everyone. Hi. Uh, what is your name? Uh, hi, my name is Anubha, Dr. Anil. Dr. Hi, how are you? You can put your you can put your uh, video on if you like. Um, uh, that will take some time. So, um, okay, can I go fine. ahead with my questions? No, no, no. Please go ahead. No, no, no pressure here. So, I am an undergraduate student. I'm trying to publish my paper for the first time. I'm writing a first paper. So, okay. my anxiety and um, my fear comes from the first time I'm writing a paper and uh, in the vast, vast world of academic writing, where would I stand and um, mm -hmm. if that's uh, good enough. So that gets sometimes, that gets overwhelming sometimes for me. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, so what, so no, I understand that part, but what are your feelings around that? Uh, so uh, I feel that my uh, research paper would not be good enough and I would have to, uh, I might have to face some rejections. Uh, and uh, and uh, obviously that is, uh, that might be disappointing and uh, discouraging for me as uh, So this feeling that you're not good enough, this is a very important feeling, feeling of not being good enough. Or also conversely, the feeling that I'm too good you know, both feelings are, are not good. Either the feeling that you're not good enough or the feeling that you are, you're feeling superior to everybody else that the next thing you know is all your papers are being rejected because you thought you were full of yourself and uh, you felt you could handle it. But Anuba, that's, that's very important uh, what you've shared with us and um, that brings in another new aspect. Who else would like to share? Amir. Hi, Dr. Anil. This is Amir. Hi. Hi. So I think uh, two major aspects are already covered by, I think, Dr. Uh, Tonio and Ms. Iman. Uh, the focus I, that I want to put on is uh, my academia. I, I joined the academia two years back and okay. uh, joined it. Uh, I was uh, informed that there is something uh, to be written that is called research papers. Mm -hmm. So problem that I was facing is I had to teach five courses in semester and wow. I thought no time for writing a research right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it was a thing of negativity because being in academia if you're not writing a paper then that is useless for you to be in an academia right in this Correct. world that we yeah. live yes so, it was a kind of constant negativity then I have to deal with the opportunity cost then I have mm -hmm. to talk to management that I am not going to I'm not going to be able to write a research paper uh, by having this burden of five courses teaching. So I had to uh, sacrifice few courses. And of course, I have to pay loss some money out of that also. But mm -hmm. I think uh, talking about uh, the research paper writing, I think uh, there should be the kind of counseling when a new uh, internee or when a new lecturer or when a new teacher is joining the academia. There should be the counseling of that person because uh, starting in the starting the person is uh, completely unknown about the research work or the kind of environment he should be given in the academia so uh, with the passage of time i uh, am very thankful to some of my research fellows who helped me to deal with the, that negativity because uh, i think that uh, the disappointing thing that i faced was a lack of counseling for the newcomers who are joining the academia 
uh, they should be informed about how to deal the research. That's all. Okay. So now Amir um, brings it. Now, where are you located right now, Amir? I'm from uh, Pakistan, uh, Hyderabad. Pakistan. Okay. Okay, Hyderabad. Okay, great. Uh, welcome. So now Amir is bringing up a very, very critical point. Okay. And that is that when you are thrust into academia, or I, I don't want to use the word thrust into academia, hopefully you're going into academia voluntarily and not being pushed into academia. But let's yes. say you are entering academia for the very first time, you're wet behind the ears. Just because you have your PhD, people should not assume that you are this amazing writer, this amazing scholar who knows everything, right? Okay, that you have a halo around your head just because you have earned the PhD. Yes, the PhD is a very important thing. But when my experience, what I've found is a lot of times people have earned their PhD, but actually have not honed their writing skills to a point where they become really proficient in their expertise. So universities have to have this, this way of coaching the new people that join on writing skills and not just throw them into the midst of it and say, Bye, you, you give me, give me, give me four, two papers by the end of the semester, two of your papers, two of your articles have to be published. Otherwise, you know, you'll have, you and I have to sit down and talk. You can be a go on probation. So it's a very uh, upsetting thing that you're there and there's nobody to help. So my, my uh, advice to all of you is that don't be bashful. Don't be shy about reaching out for help informally and formally. Okay. Because nobody was born an expert, myself included. I've just had a lot more experience with do doing this. So reach out to somebody who can help you, guide you, hold your hand and share with you some critique that's going to help you hold your process of writing. Okay, anybody else that you'd like to share? This is a very important piece. That's why I stopped here. Shivani, Shivani, you can unmute yourself. Go ahead, Shivani. Uh, hi, uh, Shivani, this side. Um, so like Amir, he, he's just talking from the side of the, like from a faculty who has just been appointed. But yes. like from my, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll be talking from the side of a student. Like I just took admission in MPhil a few months back. And nice. I had to give my, yeah, so for concept note, proposal, dissertation, like now I'll begin with it. So we had yeah. our meetings about the concept note and like at that time, like I was quite confident and we, we wrote, uh, like all, all the students, we wrote our concept note and everything. But when we have to face a faculty of like 15, 20 professors, they are sitting in front of you and they just cross question you continuously and they are just they are rejecting your ideas, they are sharing their ideas, then it kind mm -hmm. of become overwhelming. And like for us after that, uh, we were not able to have a one-to-one -one interactions or like meet the faculty again due to this, like, uh, this pandemic going on. And like now we are supposed to write uh, a proposal and maybe even begin with our first chapter. Uh, but the thing is like the last meeting which didn't go like which didn't go so well and it was so overwhelming and it was like so many ideas and now when we are supposed to give it a something substantive and concrete and take a single direction it's very difficult like like which way to go and like like too confused and overwhelmed about it that what should i do right now yeah so shivani where are you doing your uh, mphil 
I like JNU uh, Center for Political Studies. So you are yeah. in uh, in Delhi, right? Uh, yeah, I am in my hometown right now in Rajasthan, Jodhpur. Okay. But otherwise, I was in Delhi. Okay. No, I was meaning that JNU is in Delhi. Just for the others yeah, yeah. who don't know, who know. I mean, of course, in India, everybody would know, but maybe Pakistan, some people may not know that JNU is located in Delhi, Jawaharlal Nehru uh, uh, University. Okay. So, who else would like to go? Please feel free to share. Don't don't be bashful. Don't be shy about sharing your thoughts around this because until we bring your negative feelings, we cannot transform some of those feelings and help you work with some of those feelings and make them positive about the writing process. So I don't want you to be leaving this session with all the negative feelings around writing. I want you to be able to leave the session, hopefully with some hope, right? With some optimism that you can make this process work for yourself. Believe me, Sir, it's good evening. Like it. go ahead. Who is this? Sir, I'm a Prajata Khurana. I'm calling from Delhi. Okay, wonderful. What are you? Uh, yes. Uh, where, are you uh, currently in a master's program or? No, no, no. I am an undergraduate student. I am currently pursuing. That? Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm currently pursuing English, and I'm in my third year, final year. Third year. No, where are you at LSR, by the way? No, no. I am at Maharaja Agrasen College. Okay, Maharaja Agrasen. Okay. So, yes. so tell us. Tell me about your your own feelings, negative or positive around the process of writing. And when we say writing, I'm talking about scholarly writing. So I think my writing is quite above average. I would just say that. And I've seen my fellow students uh, writing research papers and I've never had that courage to do so. Ah. I don't know why, but I never took that step to write that own research paper. I've got a lot of opportunities that uh, from my college itself and mm -hmm. it stated that the research paper will be published in the college journal and okay. but I still okay. did not really wish to write because I don't know. <laughs> because were you afraid that it might be turned down? Were you afraid that people are not going to like your writing or what, what was it? Yeah, I think it was this only that I won't be able to write such huge writings, professional writings. Great. But you're a very courageous young lady. I have to say, Prajita, for uh, an undergrad student in, a, in her third year to take a stab and to jump into this uh, and, and share your thoughts. So thank you so much. It's up to you. A lot of times people are feel a little intimidated. Oh, thinking that, oh, this, this forum is all about doctorates and everybody else. But believe me, we're all learning together. Okay. So thank yes. you for sharing your thoughts. Who else would like to go? Thank you for this opportunity. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. Hi, sir. Hi. I'm Kanika from Gurgaon. Gurgaon. Kanika, what is your last name? Because we have got two or three Kanikas here. Uh, sir, I'm Kanika Gupta. Kanika Gupta. Okay. I am a second year student of economics at Lady Sriram College. Okay, in your bachelor's degree? Uh, yes, so undergraduate, right. Wonderful. So, so in the past few months, I did like, uh, to, like I did try to write a couple of research papers, but every time I started off with it, 
I was sort of stuck. I did not know how to move ahead, what all areas to cover, how to actually structure a research paper, and what mm-hmm. all to include, what all not to include. So there are a lot of confusions which like were, and there were a lot of questions which were unanswered. So every time I think of writing a research paper, I'm sort of stuck. I do not have a clear idea or like a structure like how to go about the same. So that is where I'm always stuck, and I therefore like I really wish to write a research paper, but I do not know how to go about it. So, so you see my cursor going on the very first block, getting stuck, feeling helpless. See yes, that? Sir. Would yeah. that would that be something that might describe you? Getting stuck, feeling helpless, don't know where to go, how to put it all together, correct? Right, sir. Like for now, it, everything seems kind of overwhelming. But like, I'm still. I really want to write a research paper. But yeah, that's like what you're saying. I related to like. Okay, wonderful, to- wonderful. Yeah. We'll take one or two others before we move on to the next slide. Hello, sir. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm Mahek. I'm an undergraduate okay, student. Okay, Mahek, you're an uh, undergraduate student. Where? uh at uh, maitri college university of delhi okay wonderful uh and uh, i am an economics student i uh, i am in my second year right now okay uh and uh, i have written a paper over over the summer with a team of three people uh-huh. so uh yeah so my uh, paper was um, it, it was uh, theoretical with uh, and we also developed the preliminary preliminary model of uh, statistics using statistics so okay. i have um, i am a person who has a mathematical bent of mind uh, okay. and not a theoretical one so uh, oh. the other yeah, so the other people working with me focus more on theory and i was the one who helped them develop a, a model of formula and uh, work on that data and analyze it so okay. the part where i'm stuck in theory is uh, when i tried to uh, write um, Uh, and uh, like a paragraph uh, related to theory uh, what happened was that uh, whatever i read i could i couldn't get that exact uh, structure sentence structure out of my mind so when mm-hmm. i read something i couldn't find any better words to describe it in my own words and to avoid plagiarism obviously we have to uh, write our own opinions but that i couldn't form that so okay. that's where i get stuck in okay so just all of you should know that nobody is out there in the academic world inventing the wheel hopefully there will be some some uh, einsteins out of you hopefully there will be some other renowned scientists that might come out of you but a lot of times we are writing academia or in academia we're writing material on the shoulders of philosophical giants okay it could be german it could be austrian it could be you know indian from pakistan people who have done a lot of theoretical and 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 this kind of research so so but but sometimes we feel oh my goodness how am i going to put this together what if i write in 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 a paper and i am accused of plagiarism okay let me tell you folks there is nothing wrong in taking something and citing something that has been written by some scholar before it's how you present it how you cite them whether you provide the reference there how sometimes you may not use the exact words but you may paraphrase okay this is all part of scholarly writing all right 
there's nothing wrong is in borrowing the ideas of somebody but you can't borrow the ideas of someone and make them your own so yes, it's okay it's okay to say hey sawyer and johnson 1987 blah 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 all right or it's okay to say springer you know i'm just taking some examples but it is not okay to fill your entire paper with those citations that there is no voice that is coming through from you so the skill in scholarly writing is how to integrate the conversations that are happening in the academic world all right and put them cogently together in a way that your voice is heard by the reader okay and that you are not plagiarizing you're using uh, and supporting your argument with citations and they should conform with apa style all right or with chicago style or whatever style you're following and that's okay it's perfectly okay as long as your entire paper is not borrowed or paraphrased by somebody else it's thought that then where is your creativity where is your thoughts coming from so you raise a very very good point anybody else will take one last uh, person here and then we'll go to the next slide uh, uh, i'm i'm a student of uh, lady shriram college uh, fine who is this time. who is this uh, so so ishan kaur ishan okay ishan kaur okay um, and so you're an actually, undergrad I, are you an undergrad student yes sir i'm an undergraduate student of political science Okay. At Lady Why? Sri Ram College again. Why? Um, so actually, I wanted to know about uh, how do you face uh, blocks when when you're writing a particular paper and you feel that the flow is uh, not going correctly, or mm -hmm. uh, when you feel that this is a point where you're stuck and you do not know where else. And I mean, there is also the urge to uh, paraphrase, as you as you correctly said, from mm -hmm. other sources. So mm -hmm. in such a scenario how do you go about it and make sure that your paper is completely your own uh, in in a sense that it is not influenced by okay. uh, the articles that you've written but also okay. at the same time maintains the flow that you're trying to go through very good very good so on that note what i'm going to do is i'm going to go to the next slide i'm sure you're waiting for this so the what is the writing process okay now let me first at the outset share with everybody that there is no one size fits all there is not one style of writing which is acceptable and that other styles are rejected we all have our individual styles of writing we all have our literary styles of writing and and we should that's what brings the creativity into the writing process if everybody wrote the same we would all be clones right nobody is looking for clones so there is a common misconception here that we all have to learn 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 for instance even what you're learning here or oh, let me put it into practice right now to make sure that i don't lose this learning sometimes it is a process of unlearning let me run my cursor around that unlearning so it so the donald murray 2001 and i've had the citation at the end of the uh, the, the workshop uh, slides he argues that 
writers first need to unlearn many of the rules that have been taught in school. Contrary to common teaching practices, his perspective on the writing process can be summarized as follows. Let's look at the first one. Authors do not need to know in advance what they want to say. This is going to fly a face of logic. You're going to say, what is Dr. Bell telling us to do? We all need to know what the heck we are going to say in this paper. How else are we going to write this paper? Well, he suggests that you do not always need to know everything there is to know in advance. And you, so you're not expected to, to know everything that you're going to be saying in that paper as you begin to write the paper. Rather than waiting to know everything there is to know and then starting the writing process, you should begin writing a way to discover what you have to say. Just please, please look at this first bullet point is very, very critical. You do not need to know in advance what you want to say. Now, of course, with that said, you need to have some sort of a topic in mind, some sort of idea in mind of what it is that you want to talk about. Obviously, you cannot be talking about the rainbow, all right, right, when you're really writing about something totally different, all right? If it's related, like the sky, if you're talking about the sky, you're talking about the seasons, if you're talking about aesthetic beauty, and then you're talking about the rainbow, yes, there is a correlation there. But to not know what you're talking about totally is also a fallacy. So you have to have some idea, but you have, don't have to know in advance whatever it is that you're going to want to say, okay? Now let's look at the next one. Writing does not have to begin with an outline. A lot of times people think, and myself included, as I started my own journey, I figured, oh, you know what? I have to have an outline. I have to have some sort of a roadmap, some sort of a sketchy idea. And this is where I'm going to be going. You know, here are the streets, here are the highways, here are the stop signs etc etc you do not need to begin with a strict outline rather a detailed outline can be produced from the work after it has been written well again this is a contrarian idea all right and it flies in the face of logic again that okay wait so you're not going to begin with an outline and you write the entire paper and then an outline is going to develop from that how weird is that? Well, think about it. Just think about it because what the author is trying to tell you to do is to not have preconceived notions about writing. You're going to have to dispel those notions around writing and to take the work as it comes, as it flows through you. Because sometimes you're so stuck in the preconceived notions of producing a structure, producing an outline, knowing in advance what you want to do, that you don't even get started. So let the flow come. Let it flow like, like a river flows out of you. Just let the ideas come to work. Don't start to start editing your work even before you've written it. Editing can come much later. Your ideas can come in a raw form. Now, third, Correctness is unimportant in the first draft. Rather focus on the content while drafting and address errors during the final edit. 
So don't write with the idea that each and every word, every sentence has to have the proper syntax, proper grammar, proper everything, proper structure. If you start doing that, you'll never get beyond two pages. Do the first draft as it flows through you. Even if it is a raw form, even if you look at it and think, oh my God, this is ugly stuff. I, this is never going to pass a journal test. Just write it and do the drafting and address errors during the final edit. Editing for spelling, grammar, and typos does not count as revision. A lot of times people think, you know, when, when you get this response back from a journal and they say you have to revise it, what they're saying is not revising for spelling, grammar, and typos only. Yes, that's part of it. But what they're asking you to do is to revise your thinking, revise your writing process in substantive ways. Unless they say, oh, you know, your, your article is accepted provisionally based on just make sure that the indentation is done properly or, you know, check for grammar, check for this thing or, or put the idea, make it a little bit shorter, more concise. You're not going to get that. Usually what you're going to get back is, you know, of course, if you're lucky, if you get that first part, but usually what you get back from journals is substantive revision. Rethink your ideas. They like your concept. They like your writing style. They like the topic that you're working on. But they are looking for you to rethink, reconceptualize, rewrite some of your own stuff that you've written out there. And this process gets you bogged down, thinking, oh, so if it's just spelling, grammar, and typos, boom, boom, boom. I get it all done in 15, 20 minutes. I'm done, and I send the paper out. No, that's not what it is. So the revision, don't think of revision as revising your spelling, grammar, and typos only. All right. Academic authors should not imitate the verbose, difficult to read writing they sometimes see in print. Now, I'm going to talk about this a, a, a bit because I see this as a big problem in academia. We think somehow that if we put out this flowery, bombastic language, right? That we are going to look really great to the journal. That they're going to accept it. They're going to say, oh my goodness, this is some, some writer. They're going to know, trust me folks, they are going to know that you're picking this stuff out and you're crafting this to make it your own. It is not flowing from you. Originality, creativity, and prowess come from being yourself. Just be yourself. It doesn't matter if you're the most non-conventional person there is out there. Okay, so you might get rejected by one journal, but there may be another journal that's going to say, wow, this is really creative. We want to look at this person's writing a little bit more. So being yourself, bringing your own voice into the article. Let the article speak to the audience in your voice, not in some other author's voice that you were trying to imitate. 
So forget about this imitation. Forget about making concepts, easier concepts, difficult to understand. It should be vice versa. It should be difficult, complex ideas and concepts and theories that you are unpacking in a way that is easy for people to understand. Don't make the process more difficult. Make the process easier. Now, with that said, once you get a lot of experience under your belt in writing in academia, you will automatically start to write in a different prose with different words, with using a different vernacular, different vocabulary, but that should flow from you naturally. It should not be picked up or imitated. So there is not one linear writing process to which all writers ought to conform. So that, again, it's basically what you were saying earlier, that you don't have to have a one fixed way, one size fits all. Rather, there are many writing processes as there are many authors. All right. So this is a, this is a crowded, populated slide. And I want to spend another few minutes opening this up for discussion here, because this is where people feel they get stuck because they have preconceived notions around this that uh, are keeping them back. So let's hear from those that have not previously um, said anything because I'd like everybody to sort of participate in this. So let's open the floor. Anybody? You could, you could reflect on this. You could give us your own perspective on this. It would be nice uh, to you. Hello. Yes. Yes, I'm Nebaroti Ganguly. Okay. I'm currently pursuing my bachelor in economics from Calcutta okay. University. Wonderful. And I, I wrote a paper mm -hmm. um, in this summer. And okay. now it will be published also. It's okay. accepted. OK. Uh, I just wanted to share that while writing, mm -hmm. I uh, like from the first draft, I yes. was very much uh, kind of getting focused towards correcting my statements. And mm -hmm. I was always feeling like I'm digressing from the thing I want to, um, I want to show through my paper. Mm -hmm. Like um, whether I am putting the correct theories, uh, like mm -hmm. This type of confusions. So when you're saying correct theories, what do you mean by correct? Whether the language is correct, whether the grammar is correct, or um, whether the, the sentence that I have uh, written, whether it is uh, inclusive or uh, whether it is... Uh, are you talking about like like able to grammar? Are you talking about grammar, syntax, construction of a sentence? What are you talking yes, about? Yes, yes. Okay. So that's thank you for sharing that. So here's here's another thing that I want everybody to understand. English is now the most widely recognized language in academia, regardless of the country that you live in. Just so you know, okay, English is the widely recognized language. Now it does not mean that if you're in the in the U.S. where I am that my English will be exactly similar to somebody who's writing 
in India or Pakistan or even in Britain. Okay. Because the way you use words and the, the way you spell certain words is different. I'm not talking about those nuances. But what I'm talking about is a very important aspect here. Your grammar, your construction, your syntax have to be proper. One of the biggest reasons why even great content is rejected is because of poor English. So now don't let that get you intimidated. Now that doesn't mean that if you've never studied in an English medium school before that, you know, English is not going to be good. Yes, you may have some challenges, but most of us have studied English and some write better than others, right? But just please know that your English has to be proper. And especially when I say proper, it has to be grammar and grammatically correct. It doesn't have to be bombastic. It doesn't have to be flowery English, but it has to be grammatically correct English. Your sentence construction has to be proper. Your ideas should flow properly. So again, I cannot emphasize more about the, the, the need for using some resource, whether it's formal or informal as a writing coach who can help you hold your hand and guide you through the process because otherwise you'd be banging your head on the wall. I became better and I'm still learning. That's why I'm opening myself up to learning in these forums. I became better because I was critiqued. My, pardon the expression, my first dissertation draft sucked. It was terrible. My, my chair told me, hey, this is not going to pass. You have to get yourself an editor. Not that I was writing incorrect English, but I was using words here and there, and it was, I was not paying attention to where there should be a period, where should there be a, uh, you know, a semicolon, and, and a, you know, where the commas have to be appear. And so it, it, it was a very daunting process. So please understand the importance of good English, all right? If you're going to have your articles accepted, uh, make sure you do that. Anybody else would like to say? This is a very important slide. That's why I stopped here. Um, I would like. How to do you start, go about? I would. Who is this? Okay. I, it's Iman. Um, Maybe somebody else was trying. This to is speak. Ishan again. Actually, if Who someone else also. I'm so sorry. Um, so actually, I with regards to your first uh, statement that there is no one size fits all. There was this yes. question that popped up in my head. Uh, my name is Ishan, by the way. I asked you the previous question. Okay, um, go ahead. So I just wanted to know whether uh, when you're writing a paper, the yes. process of literature review uh, yeah. takes on previously before you write the paper. Correct. But then should it also go on simultaneously? Should it somehow, should you let it influence uh, the flow of your paper or should yeah. you then be uh, not influenced by it and write in your own form, in your yes. own words, as you said, originality? Yes, yes. And so look at where my cursor is going to the last bullet point. There is not one linear writing process. So in other words, your uh, it should not be that, oh, I'm only I'm going to first write the introduction. Then I'm going to write this. Then I'm going to write that a lot of times you're building the bridge as you walk on it. Okay. So it's an ongoing process. 
so you could be writing part of the you could be uh, reading up part of the literature review and doing part of the writing and 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 it's it's an ongoing process just please know that all right awesome start to hash yes so please somebody has has to unmute you have to unmute yourself folks because we are getting some background noise please unmute yourself if you're uh, if you have an open mic because uh, we are recording this session all right so ishan uh, does that sort of answer your question to go ahead with uh, the process yes sir yes sir definitely thank you so much okay you're very welcome anybody else who sir, wants to I say i would like to ask iman here again okay go ahead iman okay uh, like uh, nowadays i'm working on this the thesis like a project nexus mm -hmm. of fear hopelessness and media broadcasting during the pandemic okay so what is when i started with it it was more about relationship and like i just wanted to go it simple but now since i'm writing it i feel mm -hmm. like i need to base it on a proper theory like a cognitive appraisal theory or something like that mm -hmm. to set forth my points but it's like now i'm procrastinating i'm not okay. doing anything i was supposed to finish it in june and it's still lying mm -hmm. there i don't know i don't feel like writing it because i it's my all ideas are jumbled up okay okay so you are sort of stuck there now yeah kind of okay okay like good like i started good. with something simple relationship and now i feel like that i should go for prediction instead of a simple relationship okay but uh, so i i by the way i did receive your work and i will be looking at it um, uh, sometime later this week okay and then give okay. you some ideas and feedback on no that problem. thank you okay so much, or any any time any time anybody else this is very interesting uh, this is a lot yeah yeah uh, sir i'm richard surya from uh, ambedkar university i'm fine sir how are you good so richard are you okay. a master student or are you a undergrad no i'm phd scholar sir oh phd oh wonderful that's great yeah, from ambedkar yeah ambedkar university delhi, right? yeah, yeah. I've yeah. done a sir, workshop in qualitative research before on Adam Bethke. Okay, sir. Okay. Yes. Uh, yes. Some. I'm, I'm from a school of management and doing in organizational just, behavior. Just one second. Somebody has the uh, mic can, open. Please, please yeah. mute can your you mic. Can you mute yourself? And can you please just uh, ask the questions when I um, <clears throat> announce your name? Because uh, yes. many people want to ask the question, and then it. create a chaos yes, because they yes, are saying yes, yes. that we are raising hands but you are not giving us chances yes so let let so i so, so thank you for reminding that i was under the impression that it is being moderated there so yeah so please let's respect the process dr gul afshan will uh, guide you moderate this so that we can keep yeah, this all very streamlined okay yes richard uh, so go ahead richard yes, go ahead thank Finish you Yes, sir. Actually, uh, it's about the writing process. So my uh, biggest uh, drawback or limitation is writing style. It's not about the grammar. It's a, it's not about the you know uh, subject verb ag agreement. It's about the writing. So I'm constantly getting this uh, feedback from my uh, advisors that mm -hmm. writing style has to be improved. Now, uh, this is means I'm very confused. Or Stuck there. How to improve the writing style? You know, so they are saying that you use too many words to say. You know, the information is little, but the number of words are you know more. So uh -huh. you know, more information-laden 
sentences or the means all over writing uh, style has to be improved okay so are they are they saying that you're repeating i'm your, not understanding what, what to do about it are they are they suggesting that you're repeating yourself uh, yes there's some yeah maybe re repetition is there but uh, see i recently writed uh, wrote a paper uh, with my supervisor so she was constantly saying so your writing style has to be improved you know way of no, writing when they has say, to be look 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 when they say your way of writing has to be improved that's very colloquial it's colloquial yes, feedback sir. they have to be give you academic feedback what is it okay. about my writing style that you need for me to improve academically we are not having mm -hmm. a conversation in a at a party this is academia mm -hmm. so when somebody mm -hmm. tells you improve and they don't tell you anything more than that you're in a total fog what what do you how do i improve or what do you what do you want me to do so you be very specific ask them for feedback please tell me what it is specifically in my writing style that needs to improve because yes. until you get into the specifics of this you're going to keep mm -hmm. fumbling Yes, sir. So that's a good one. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Gul, who's next? Yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, Talat, you can ask the question now. Go ahead, Talat. Talat. Uh, hello, sir. Assalamualaikum and uh, hello, everyone. Hello. Hello, uh, hello. Hello. How are you? Yes, sir. I'm fine. Uh, where sir, are you from, I Talat? Have, uh, where are you located? Yes, sir. I'm from Pakistan. I'm from Pakistan, Lahore. I have oh, done my wonderful. MSc in general studies. Yes, sir. Wonderful. wonderful. <laughs> I have done my uh, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I have done my MSc in general studies uh, from Punjab University. Okay. So I want to discuss uh, that is very important for uh, me and everyone. I think, uh, sir, my, uh, my research paper was uh, about uh, the how media create cultural diversity among youth. So I have done it, but uh, I think uh, how can I attract the people or my uh, uh, and other one to uh, to uh, write to read this um, uh, my uh, proposal and my research mm -hmm. paper. Other I think uh, the writing uh, uh, how how can I manage the writing and how to solid it. Sir, uh, I have uh, no idea how to attract the people for to read this one. Uh, sir, uh, my objective. Yes, sir. Yes, good, good. No, I was just saying that's a very interesting. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, sir, uh, actually, my objective uh, was uh, my objective about that in this uh, changing a perception, a perception about personal mm -hmm. appearance and changing in uh, juices of food and uh, uh, greater cultural uh, uh, def uh, deficiency uh, deficiency and other th these things but sir i think uh, i have done it but uh, um, um, uh, i think i repeated that writing skills is very important and uh, i yes. think uh, 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 here is some deficiencies i i felt that uh, yes so sir uh, how can i uh, cover it and i know richard also talked about the writing style writing skills you are talking about writing skills others yes, have sir. also talked about writing skills i'd be very happy to provide some feedback um to you yes, <clears throat> uh, those of you that are struggling with this individually um because it's yes, not sir. possible to address each and everyone's concerns in a in a, in a session such as this but individually i'll be very happy so please write back to me with your specific question you have my email address and um I'll be happy okay, to sir. guide you and and coach you through the process. Okay, to the best of my ability. I okay. don't have all the answers, but at okay, least I'll sir. give you some ideas on how to improve your style. Okay, 
because what yes, they're looking sir, for is the concise. Main thing is that... Correct. They're looking for okay, talent. Sir. They're looking for oh. concise style. So how can you, as a scholar, oh. take all these mountains, yes, this plethora of resources, and put them in a condensed version in one or two paragraphs? Okay. Yes, because the reader doesn't have all the time mm -hmm. in the world. They don't have the okay, entire sir. life to go through your work. Okay, go ahead. Uh, go, who's next? Yeah, Surabi, Surabi Rathod. Okay, Thanks. Surabi. Okay, so we are, okay, go ahead, Surabi. Good evening, sir. Uh, I, Good evening. My name is Surabi. I am currently pursuing my, I'm a final year master's student pursuing psychology from Tata Institute of Social Sciences, Mumbai. Okay. Uh, my, uh, I actually wanted to reflect on the first point where it states that authors do not need to know in advance what they want to say before they begin to write and mm -hmm. so on. So while, right now I'm currently writing my dissertation and while going through a lot of literature, I've realized that a lot of times when someone develops an outline for their research, you're expecting a certain kind of outcome at the end of your research. Because that exactly is Exactly right. That's very, that very nice. Uh, very, I mean, that's why you want to write that paper in order to make that correlation. But in the yeah. process of that, I've realized that uh, in order to do that, sometimes we skew our data ourselves if it's not following into the specific uh, categorization of our own selective understanding of that data. And yes. I feel that that's not very moral because whatever data you get, that needs to be interpreted in a way so that it's basically a finding. Even if you're not able to prove or upheld your hypotheses, or whatever, it's quite immoral to do that. So I'm currently finding that it as a task because uh, due to the pandemic data collection for my own thesis is at uh, break at current and I am unable to collect data for the same. Because yes. it was a field research and now I need to do desk research. So the whole uh, transition is a little difficult, but I mm -hmm. have seen my peers doing data collection despite a lot of ethical uh, issues but i feel that uh, skewing your data just to fit it in a certain outcome that you feel will be approved right. is not right 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 and this reminds me thank you so much uh, for sharing that um, surabhi uh, this also reminds me of uh, scholars <clears throat> especially those that are have to do a master's thesis or a phd thesis that they try to fit the cart before the horse they will fall in love with the methodology so much that they are totally locked in. They put blinders on. They say, I'm only going to do phenomenology or I'm only going to do case study analysis or I'm only going to do discursive analysis or narrative research or ethnography or ethnomethodology. Well, wait a second. Where is your research question? What is your research topic? Your research question is an important aspect of your research because that from your research question flows your study design, flows the way you're going to collect data, how you're going to analyze data, and all of that good stuff. So first and foremost, if you don't know your research question, so when they say know in advance, if you want to know something in advance, you should know whether you're writing a journal article or writing a thesis, know in advance what is your research question. So if you know your research question, for instance, my research question in my doctoral studies was an aesthetic one, what is it like for leaders to be in a state of negative capability during periods of conflict in the workplace? It's just one simple sentence in which I had the concept of negative capability, my phenomenological uh, um, phenomena. I, I was going to be introducing leaders, so I have a context there. 
I'm talking about in periods of conflict. So when they are going through this conflict. So I, I guess what, you're, what I'm saying is, at the least start with just one sentence. Even one sentence should be able to capture where you're going to be going. All right. So that's a very important aspect. Just one more and then we have to move on. Go ahead, Gul. Isha. 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 Uh, so good to see you. I'm from Jamia doing my doctoral study. And okay. the question is like when you were talking about uh, how we should not actually imitate other authors and develop our own writing style. So my question yes. was that sometimes we come across certain authors or certain papers when I'm actually, we are actually fascinated to read them and we feel, oh, this is how I want to write. Right? right. And this like maybe someday I would be able to write this way and this kind of article. So like mm -hmm. uh, when you talk about, and then uh, this happens with me and I'm sure it would happen with a lot more people and then we try to kind of, you know, adapt to their writing style that, oh, they've started the paper with a, a quote, for example. Mm -hmm. So we mm -hmm. don't try to figure out a quote and then start a paper. So like, how, like, is that a good approach to find our own writing style or like how do they, then we go about finding our own writing style? So, so you tell me. Yeah. So, you know, someone, someone, sometimes I find that people, some very enlightened scholars will ask a question to which they already know the answer, but they'll ask it anyway, because they want validation. You know the answer to this question, Asia. You know that reading somebody's work, falling in love with somebody's work, somebody's style, somebody's grammar, somebody's use of words, vocabulary is not the way to go. That's not called originality. It's a, it's, hey, it's a subtle form of plagiarism. Where is your voice here? Right, Isha? So you pretty much answered your own question that that's not the way to go when you're writing a research article. Yes, it is great. It is great to feel inspired by somebody. Hey, we've all been there. We write, we love to eye for years and years and years fell in love with these wonderful authors and I fell in love with the way they write and with the way they construct things and all that. And as a result, I found myself for a period of time riding on their coattails and losing my own voice in the process. It's okay. If my voice is not a very important voice, that doesn't matter. But my voice should be my original voice. It's about originality. It's not about becoming another Einstein. Hopefully some of you will become Einsteins. Okay. It's about bringing originality into the work and being true to it and using the ethical side of it so that you're not, it's not only about plagiarizing, but it's about putting somebody's words, you know, and making them, twisting them, word crafting them in such a way that it looks beautiful. And, and even though you think that, oh my goodness, I'm going to beat Turnitin. Turnitin is never going to catch me. Guess what? Nobody has to catch you. You in your heart are going to know this was not your original work. Okay, so enough said about that. A anybody else there or should we move on? Uh, I guess Ame, Ame wants to ask something. Yes, Amit. Who is this? Yeah, Amit, go ahead. Amit. Doctor, am I audible? Yes, yes. you are. 
Okay, uh, so I have a contrary experience uh, with the first point that you have mentioned or it's mentioned in the slide. Because as yes. per my experience, uh, I believe that a mental framework with, uh, before starting uh, or writing a paper is uh, good uh, or it's kind of a motivating factor if you have a mental framework in your mind that how you are going to write a paper and how it is going to end. So mm -hmm. uh, is it is it uh, same uh, that, that is written in your slide uh, that do not have a, a kind of a picture in your mind that what is going to be uh, be your end or what yeah. you are going to write? Okay. Is it First contrary of, to that or it is um, okay, as okay. per my experience? Actually, it, actually, what you said was complementary to what the author is saying. Let me explain mm -hmm. what I mean. First of all, we don't take all this stuff as the gospel truth. This is an author's own perspective, correct? It is not saying that this is the way it should be. Please remember one thing in academia. If you remember nothing else, just remember one thing. Hold on lightly. Whatever you're learning, whatever you are being exposed to, these are ideas of people. It's okay to challenge right. the ideas. If this doesn't work well for you, Maybe the way you do it, mental framework, will work better for you. Who's there to question that? But what the author is trying to say is, it's not always important to know in advance what you're going to stay. You may have a general mental framework, we all do, but don't be so fixated on that framework that you lose your originality. That you're not allowing the process to flow from you spontaneously. You're not allowing the ideas and the thoughts and the emotions and feelings to flow from you as you're doing the work, as you're doing the writing. Because you'll be so stuck in whatever it is that you were wanting to say in advance that you're going to block out anything else that's coming to you. Because you're saying, no, this is what I've thought I'm going to write. This is my outline. I have to stick to my idea. So that's all they're trying to say. Amir, does that answer your question? Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Yeah. So both are correct. Hey, hey just remember one thing. It's both and. It's not either or in academia. Yeah. Yes, yes. You have to be able to hold it paradoxically. Both sides can be correct. Okay. That's right. correct. Okay. Thank so with, with that, uh, uh, Gul, can we move on then? We have uh, we have one uh, more go person. Okay, go ahead. Mahima. Mahima. Go ahead, Mahima. Right. So, um, hello everybody. It's really nice to be here. Uh, I actually just had a addition to what the question was already asked. Um, okay. I think for me, in terms the uh, question of not having a framework or having a framework or not knowing what to write depends on the kind of research either I'm doing. Is it primary research or is it secondary research? In primary research, it's usually good to have an outline mind. You have to have a methodology in place. You have to have uh, like the a number of population that you're going to interview or survey in place or, an, or explain your analysis in a more esteemed fashion so that people can develop upon your research that you're about to publish or may not publish. But at the same time, I think in secondary research, a work of full-fledged uh, outline may not work very well because then you're too worried that you're going to plagiarize or you're already using somebody else's outline and the factor of originality sort of goes away for me. So I think uh, in addition to what he said that uh, is there one linear process of writing or not, I think a lot depends on your 
on the kind of research that you're about to do or the kind of research that you're about to document in the first place. I mean, I don't know if I'm putting this correctly, but that's just something that I thought of. No, you just killed it. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. So what, I, so what Mahima is trying to say here is, I, everybody caught that, right? It's not, and again, let's remember, it's not one size fits all. It depends on what is your goal for that article, whether it's a primary research or a secondary, because exactly as Mahima was just pointing out, so if I'm doing a research, a qualitative study based on leaders, and I already have the research question in mind, I've, I have a sort of research design, I've, put, I've recruited participants, so I already have a structure in place, correct? But if I'm doing something else, right? I may have to be open to what is, so I have to be open to emergence, to what is it emerging, whether it's emerging in literature or whether it's emerging in my own way that I'm making sense of stuff. So, uh, so that was a good point. I think that's an excellent point. Are you a PhD student, Mahima? Um, no, I'm not. Um, I'm an undergrad in uh, sociology from Lady Sriram College in um, um, Currently working with an organization where we take up a lot of uh, primary research. I mean, not okay. so much secondary, but we do a lot of primary research. Yeah. Because I, I must, I must, I must commend you for asking a very pertinent question that sometimes uh, I, I'm asked. You, you know, uh, and that that is brought up by doctoral students because this is something that they often struggle with. Uh, should I have a framework in mind? Should I not have a framework in mind? Um, and so, so thank you for sharing that. It was very enlightening. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, Gul, anybody else? Yeah. There? No, no, we should. Okay. So no, let me let me go yeah. let me go to the next slide. All right. Yes. Here are some composing styles, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. Uh, by the way, uh, anybody that's interested after the session um for the powerpoint um i'd be very happy to share my powerpoints with you share my work with you that's no problem take it uh, and use it and and make make whatever you make out of that all right but let, let's quickly talk about composing styles some heavy planners people plan their work and work their plan they invest the greatest amount of time in mapping out the manuscript in advance which is what we were talking about in the previous slide that you have a road map already established they often are capable of mentally planning their work while engaged in other activities and invest the bulk of their time writing time in preparation. Nothing wrong with that. Heavy revisers, they write as if their words were on the surface of a sphere and roll them around to arrive at the right way to tackle the manuscript. They devote less time to planning or may make a plan but not follow it. They revise a manuscript into being by continually cutting, pasting, experimenting with ways to communicate ideas. They sometimes feel that their writing is never really finished. So these are just different styles, sequential composers, procrastinators, discovery drafters. So I happen to be one, for the most part, I'm a discovery drafter. I seek to capitalize on unexpected ideas because they regard these as the source of creativity in their work. For me, I'm very emergent. I'm the spur of the moment kind of guy. Something comes to me and boom, I'll start working on that aspect. Something else, some another dot connects from me. I'll connect that with the previous dot. And before I know it, I have some sort of a matrix that's developing. 
That's just my style. It's my creative style because I work a lot with aesthetics. I look, work a lot with um, uh, creativity, um, uh, qualitative research is my forte, my expertise. So for me, that style works. But for others, heavy planning styles, like if you're a quantitative researcher, you have to have this heavy planning already done. Okay. Uh, and not that planning is not required in qualitative research. It is required. But yeah, so, so this is just the author is talking about Richards and Miller. They're talking about composing styles. How do you compose your work? All right. So I don't want to spend more time on this style. Each one of you has an individual style that works for you. But just remember, sometimes a style that you, works for you may not work for a journal. Okay, they may want a different style of writing. They may get back to you and say, look, your content seems good. Your research is good. It's pretty robust, pretty solid. But your style of writing is not is conforming with the style of writing that uh, people contribute to for this journal. So you have to make changes there. All right. Now, launching a writing project. Okay. Now you get to a point where now you are ready to start writing. Okay, of course, I cannot take you through all the steps of writing this, um, this article or writing this research report. But typically, here are some of the, the items that you're going to go through. You set the goals, state the project's purpose. Any, no, this could be any project. By the way, it could also be you're going to be um, uh, disseminating some research, presenting a paper at a conference. A lot of us do that all the time anyway. So if you're preparing for a conference paper or you're preparing for a study article that you're going to be submitting to a journal or even for your master's thesis or your research thesis, whatever the case may be, you have to set a goal, state the project's purpose and the audience outlet. Sometimes you have to remember that it's ideas flowing from you, but for whom? Who are you writing this for? If you're writing for a journal, it's not just enough to know that you're, oh, you're writing for the Journal of Phenomenology, but who are these people within that phenomenological journal that, for the most part, contribute? What kind of articles are being contributed to the journal? So it's important to recognize the journal's purpose, the journal's mission. Go back, read some previous articles from the journal. Read some sample articles to get a feel for what it is in the audience and the outlet. Start collecting, identify resources, read, take notes immediately. So take notes doesn't only mean that you're sitting with textbooks and you're making notes and identifying resources, citing literature. All of that is great, but even in your daily communication, in your daily experiences with people, you know, you're making mental notes. And those notes are important because that's the process of data, data collection. Okay. Identify the tasks. So what tasks are you going to be doing? Break the work into the task taking less than an hour or two. Don't take a lot of time into one particular task because this is the planning stage. Okay. So then you're clustering it, organizing and using mind mapping. Some people use extensive use of mind mapping. There is mind mapping software that's incredibly useful. Uh, I've seen uh, some of you that have presented work uh, with some mind mapping. That's a, it, it, it's a visual uh, diagram that shows you how your ideas are connected. All right. 
So just keep in mind that there are a number of tools now available. If you go on the internet, you can find a lot of tools where I, I, your simple ideas can be schematically and visually looked at. And sometimes important, I'm a very visual person, okay? For me, a visual is very important, so as, as it is for a lot of people, but others are kinesthetic. More, there are other people who are more auditory, so what you hear is more important to you than what you see, okay? Um, so depending upon the kind of person you tend to be, you have to work your plan accordingly. Uh, you may want to listen to podcasts. You may want to listen to audios versus just reading, 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 right? And not now a lot of these books are in the form of audio, okay? Uh, that you can actually almost read the entire book by hearing the book, hearing somebody else reading from that book, all right? So writing a good title and abstract. Now, just remember, a, a lot of people think that, oh, my title of this study is not that important. The abstract is really not that critical. Um, I can just skim over that and just go into the content, go into the introduction piece, go into chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Wait a second, stop. There are more abstracts that are now rejected because of poor writing or poorly worded sentences, incorrect grammar, bad syntax, bad structure. And people don't focus on the abstract. They think, yeah, this is just a 200-word uh, piece block quote. I've seen people submitting abstracts that are kind of like, oh, my goodness, that I'm looking at three, three paragraphs. People forget that abstracts are to be in a block quote. Just look at APA, if you're not familiar with that. Do not break them up into paragraphs because people don't have a lot of time. The readers that are going through your study don't have a lot of time. They want to be able to quickly get the synopsis of your study. They quickly are able to read what it is that you're trying to say in a few words, okay? So the title is important and that is important. No, no, just remember, your title and abstract, they're simply teasers and appetizers. They're not the main course. They're not the, the, the whole meal. Don't make it the whole meal, okay? Or don't minuscule them so much that there's hardly any skeleton there and you're, you're jumping right into the introduction. So the, the first piece that is always read by researchers and by scholars is your abstract. It has to be very crisp. It has to be done in a cogent style, well-structured, where ideas flow one to the next. It should be so simple and elegant that people just fall in love with that and they want to read more of your study. A good act is, is like a billboard. It's like a hoarding, right? You see by the side of the road, advertising services, it, and you, if you think about which hoarding captures your attention, you will realize that there are things about hoardings that really get your attention. It's not necessarily it has to be like a giant hoarding in front of you, because if it's too big of a hoarding, guess what? You're hardly going to be able to see anything. 
that is important on the holding. All you'll see is this big, huge, humongous um, board out there. So it has to be a attention grabbing. All right. It has to have some sizzle there that they want to read more. An abstract should not contain more than 200 to 250 words. It should be crafted like a block quote, followed by italicized keywords. Do not use paragraphs. So please make sure that your abstracts don't run more than 200 to 250 words. This is not a hard and fast rule. It could be 200, it could be 225, 250. Don't go more than 250 to 260 words. Because guess what? People don't have that kind of attention span to read it. So keep them concise, keep them well-crafted and neat. It should be crafted like a block quote. Don't write in paragraphs. Put them in a block quote like you, everybody understands academic writing is like with a block quote. Okay. You're not supposed to put the quotes around an abstract. Right? And one of the common mistakes that I see people make is that they provide citations and references in an abstract. It's a big no, no. And that is one of the reasons your abstract is going to be turned down. It's going to be rejected by journals or by your committee if you're writing a thesis. Your abstract should not contain citations. You should not say Murray and Stevens 1981 said this, 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 and you're putting something in quotes and you're writing, or I was looking at this literature and that literature. That is not what it is about. It's about a short piece that quickly describes what you're doing. What is it that you've done? What is it that you're presenting over there? All right. So please remember, no citations, no literature references in your abstract. Okay. Do not define a concept unless it is novel and not commonly used or understood. Now, this is important. Sometimes people will spin into a whole definition about anger or about sexual abuse or about emotional distress, commonly used and commonly understood expressions. Is it important to describe anger? Is it important to define anger? Probably not. Everybody knows what anger is. But if you're talking about something very novel, like for instance, my research dissertation, doctor work, was on a on an aesthetic concept called negative capability, which is the capacity to be in mysteries, doubts, and uncertainties without the irritable reaching up in factories. It was done by John Keats. In 1817, John Keats, for those of you that are not familiar, was an English romantic poet who died at the age of 25 years old and wrote some of the finest poetry in that short span of time. So now that's a novel concept. So my concept, my research phenomena was negative capability. So it was important for me to define negative capability. Because it's a novel concept. If I just say negative capability, people are not familiar with what negative capability is. So you, you get the drift there. So it's important to, to define concepts only that are novel, not familiar, not run-of-the-mill, not mainstream ideas and concepts. They don't need a definition. Okay. 
Abstracts, avoid the use of first person in abstracts. Okay, I often run into this situation where I see an abstract where this person is like, I did this, or we as researchers did this. No. Use the third person. Okay. That's the commonly accepted convention in abstracts. Present complex ideas in simple, straightforward language. No bombastic words or pompous expressions. Don't assume that your readers know exactly what you studied. Arouse their genuine curiosity, not their disinterest. Sometimes in your writing, you're arousing their curiosity, but they get turned off. They are not interested genuinely in reading more. They get put off and they leave it aside. They go on to the next paper. And the abstract must contain, this is important, it's key, your opening statement, what is it that you tried to do or what is it that you did in the study? Your approach and methodology, what approach did you follow, right? What methodology, right? The outcomes and findings, all right? What was your outcome? What were your findings and future implications? These are typically what you summate in your abstract. Now. Uh, what Mahima was saying earlier, depending upon uh, if, if your abstract is around a study that was a qualitative study where you interviewed certain people and you had a study design, then you would, of course, talk about that. But if you're doing some other form of research where you're just going into the literature and developing a meta theory okay, or a meta theoretical framework, all right. You may have different ways, but for the most part, opening statement approach. What is your approach? What is it that you're going to be, did, what it is that you researched, outcomes and findings and future implications. Future implications are very important to write there because when people are reading abstract, they want to see, is that all you did for yourself or now is there something else that's going to be coming? Are you inviting other scholars to look at your work? Okay. Let's look at some abstracts. So let me let me uh, get out of this, and we may not have time to go to each and every one of them. But I have a certain abstract that I wanted to pull out here. Uh, let's take a look at the first one. Can everybody see this? Yes, we can see. Can you see this? Okay, good. Yes. Um, so. This is written by Mahima, and she's an undergrad. Oh, oh yeah, she did, did her undergrad in, um, from, I believe, LSR. Um, and I thought that this was, for someone who, was, who has undergrad experience, was done fairly nicely, okay? She's talking about the ethnic minority, uh, the Sikh community as an ethnic minority in Patna, Bihar, okay? And then what I found very nice about this was the capital of Bihar, Patna is one of the holiest cities in Sikh history. So she is arousing some interest in the reader. That Patna, for, for readers that I, now, for instance, before I read this abstract, I did not know that Patna is one of the holiest cities in Sikh history because I was not familiar with that. I would more often than not think of Sikh history as being embedded mostly in Amritsar because of the golden temples there, right? A lot of us think, the, so she's telling us Patna is one of the holiest cities. Despite rich historical and religious significance, the population of Sikhs in Patna is this, this, and 
they've never claimed a minority status. Now, the, immediately upon reading this, my interest is stoked. They have never claimed a minority status. So my natural question would be, why have they never claimed a minority status, right? So I want to read more. Then she talks about how this paper aims to analyze the existence of social institutions that support the formation of the Sikh community as ethnicity in Patna, Bihar. It also touches briefly on the reasons behind the lack of agency and demand for greater minority. So here was a very well-crafted short piece, introduction, okay, to this. And then she, immediately she flows. I would have liked to see the next line as a continuation of this year after representation, but that's okay. It's not a biggie. It's not a make or break thing. But then she states that interviews were taken from 100 respondents in whatever date in the capital. That the date, by the way, in this was really not even that important. But she, I've not read her entire paper. She, she probably felt that the date January 2019 was a key date uh, that was important to put out. Age was taken as a criteria for inclusion. The findings, now here I want to concentrate on, the findings of the study show that minority behavior is not the same everywhere. Folks, one of the biggest mistakes, and that's why I, I sort of not, not rejected by, I sort of put aside some of the abstracts that you sent me was, because while you're saying this study was conducted, was conducted, it's a past tense. When you're talking about findings, you are saying what I what was found was findings are folks always stated in the present tense. Just remember that the the study found the findings are such and such because you have created a new body. You've added to the extant literature out there. Okay, so when you talk about Findings, don't talk about findings as though it was in the past and is dead and buried. Now there's nothing more to be looked at there. Your findings are current. They're jumping right now because you, you've found, you've researched and done something nice. So it was, I felt that it was very well put together. It provides a better looking glass to understand subaltern behavior. Additionally, also shows variations in the study of community. The Sikh community, a minority religion, most of Northern is a minuscule in, and then the keywords have been very nicely stated. So that was good. Congratulations, was very well done. Let's take a look at another one. This is a writing sample uh, from Samiksha, I believe. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, Samiksha Rai. Now, I, I did not have the title of the abstract. So if Samiksha is here, she can probably tell us what the title of the abstract was. Samiksha, are you here? I'm not sure if she was there, here or not. But um, this was another abstract, which I thought was extremely well done. She's writing about remunerative domestic work, a poorly defined economic community, even in the 21st century is considered to be an activity of low. So she's sort of like, again, if you notice here, and this is why I picked this one, remunerative domestic work. Now, Sir, while, sorry to cut you, but can you do it to full screen? I'm unable to see it properly. 
Oh, full screen? Yes, and the fonts is... are very small. Yeah. Huh? The fonts are very small, that's why they cannot see it. Is it better now? No, sir. But this is, I, I, on my screen, it is enlarged. It is totally enlarged in my screen. Yes, sir. Now it's a little better. Thank you, sir. Okay. Let me, let me, let me, let me more, make it more, more wider now. Is that better? Yes, sir. Okay. Can everybody see this now? Okay. So while remunerative domestic... can just rotate the screen. What? I can do what? It's, 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 it's visible now. It's fine now, I guess. Okay, okay. Is it fine now? Okay, okay, okay. Sure. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, the re it, while remunerative domestic work, when you hear of remunerative domestic work, if it was just domestic work, I would not see the reason for defining this. But when it is remunerative domestic work, it is not something that we think of in everyday parlance. So Samiksha has actually defined that remunerative domestic work, purely defined economic activity in the 21st century is considered to be an act of low social and economic value by society at large. So I thought this was very nicely put there. Okay. Even though it was <clears throat> mainstream uh, expression, but when, when you say to somebody remunerative domestic work, it doesn't really jump out at them and say, oh, I know what remunerative... I didn't know what remunerative domestic work, but when I look at it carefully, remunerative domestic work, domestic work that is for a remuneration, right? So she defines that the domestic sector work is increasingly dominated by migrant workers. So she's putting a context there whose intersectional disadvantages make them especially vulnerable to asymmetric power relations in the nature of employment. Though not much gender disaggregated, Data pertaining to the sector is available. Independent researches by now institutions have made the engendering of this paper possible. The paper attempts, very nicely done, to navigate through particularities and the challenges faced by migrant domestic workers in the United Kingdom. So she is saying where this was done, right? In UK, domestic workers are not entitled to some key rights. Now, now there she's bringing in what the predicament was. What is, what is the research around, right? So because they are not enjoying key rights, this becomes a research topic. A specific visa regime for workers in this sector increases their vulnerability to exploitation and abuse, the entry conditions, all that is, is all good, good and nice stuff. But I thought this was <clears throat> captured. Now it's a very different form of study. It's a different paper where we're not using interviews, we're not using a study design, we're not using some sort of a methodology, but she has done that in a, in a different way. And I felt that that was a very interesting way to do it. So let's look at um, one other one. And let, let me see, let me just go down to here. And then we will uh, see. Okay, let's look at this one. Global production of a feminine. I thought this was. It, can anybody see it? Is it or is it too small? Yeah, it is a small. Is it very small? I'm wondering why. Okay, you know, because these are apps. These are uh, documents that I'm sharing. These are not. I think uh, the reason. 
the reason is the uh, the orientation the portrait and the landscape orientation anil here i am watching it on my ipad and it's like a landscape view so it's perfect for me those oh, watching it on laptop it will be the portrait uh, and therefore it will be small yeah that's the point uh, okay 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 so so let's look at this one the global production of a feminine ideal behind the scenes of beauty pageants it's a very very crisp abstract that was done i was very very Im impressed by it it the paper explores the various ideals of beauty which globalization has created for women at the international national and local level it also highlights the various facets of beauty pageants which feed into these ideal types and notions furthermore the paper looks at the claim that beauty pageants make of being inclusive of diversity so while they're saying that the beauty pageants are making this claim of diversity what is really happening under the surface beneath the table is different miss world pageant there are still a lot of categories which have been left out and the pageants are not completely inclusive we have never seen a fat miss world or short miss world right it should be world not word these aesthetics are very usual but they have been completely excluded from their wider scope of the context hence this paper calls attention to the universalized standard of beauty and highlights how the global image of thin tall and fair is idealized beautifully done work on such a timely topic when there is so much going on around gender and equality and the me now or me too movement and um, uh, all all of the stuff that's going on about feminism around the world so i think that this is a very important and significant topic for for discussion so uh i think i have time to go through one more uh let's see my master's this uh drishti let's take a look at it there was another very interesting so i i i caught different genres there she's talking about something so aesthetic exploring falling in love and being in love among millennials right so there's a context she's talking about the millennial population the qualitative study explores the millennial generation's experience of understanding and falling in love love has been an eternally inclusive subject and it has intrigued cultures throughout history nicely done opening you're capturing the attention of people love is a primary importance to millennial generation and plays a key role in transition but extensive research specific to millennial love as a variable is limited based on this gap the current study expanded the scope to include a qualitative dimension and she's using interpretative phenomenological analysis which has been sort of my expertise as you all know uh and so you she using this ipa approach in phenomenology uh she's studying some somewhat of a novel phenomena this is not a phenomena that um uh, is very regularly studied so i commend her for really taking a stab at this and going into this approach um in the in the way that she has now um you you folks can read it i can send you all these abstracts that's no issue at all but let me get into um back to this i think there there was a uh that i wanted to show you here this was the one okay writing for publishing now one of the things that comes up very often is where should i publish my work 
So I'm submitting, now I've done my research, I've done my study, my doctoral study or my master's thesis. And they're telling me, my school, they meaning the university is telling me, hey, take some articles out that and publish your articles in certain journals. That's all great, good stuff. But what journals? How do you pick journals? Okay. Which journals to go for? It's very easy exercise. If you're, if you're in the field of phenomenology, you will likely see many journals that will pick your work up. And, you know, the tendency seems to be, and this is what is troubling in my mind. Everybody's tendency seems to be that I should get published in an AB journal right away. Guys, it's a hard climb, okay? So if you have a choice between publishing in an A or B journal or publishing your work out there and inviting peers to review your work, what would you rather do? Of course, you would like to do both. But a lot of times when people are educators working at universities, they're under pressure to publish in AB journals. So you are going for that route. But I have seen some people getting so burnt out trying to have their articles published. And sometimes you're and more and more, I think universities are requiring that you have your um, at least one, maybe two articles published before they will they will award you the PhD or the master's degree. I, I think it's not so much for the master's students; it's probably more for the PhD students. They have to get an article published in an AOB journal before they can be awarded the PhD degree. So they are constantly going for that. I'm, I'm not talking about that group. I understand their concerns. I understand their limitations. They want to get it done. But I'm talking about all the other plethora of research that's sitting out there that people do nothing about. They're constantly worried about Oh, so if I can't publish in the, it's either or. If I cannot publish in a journal, then my work is just going to sit there. Well, guess what? If you have not already part of academic portals such as ResearchGate, Academia.edu, and journals such as Sage Advanced Reprints, Springer Briefs, etc., they routinely publish original, robust research work after it is put through an internal review process. Now, there is a difference between peer-reviewed publishing and internal review publishing. Peer-reviewed publishing means that journals will accept your article based on um, it going through a peer review. And if you satisfy uh, the requirements of the peers who are sending you feedback, then the article can get accepted by the journal or it is outright, uh, outright rejected. So that is peer reviewed. But also remember, and a lot of time people are not even aware of this, that journals such as Sage Advanced, Sage is a very respected international global journal. Sage has advanced reprints. So for I'm talking about some of the more novice researchers here um, who have done their undergrads and, and want to get, get the articles seen right, by peers, advanced, sage advanced preprints routinely accepts original articles that are well-written, robust, 
and they will be put through an internal review process. They'll check for plagiarism. They will check for other stuff, but it's an easier, more rapid process to get it, getting published. You will be in their journals. It will be, it'll have your, and you will have the authorities already set up, whether you want commercial uh, copyright or you want some other form of copyright. Um, you can set those parameters up there and your articles will be shared on that dish. And you can invite people to review those articles. People can read, review, and also download your articles. So I had shared earlier in the last conference, I shared two of my articles that appeared in Sage Advanced Preprint's Journal of uh, Social Science Research. You may take a look at them. I've shared them with some of you also individually. Um, great way to get started. Hey, learn to walk before you learn to crawl before you're going to start walking and running. That gives you a lot of practice. And once you're accepted by Sage Advanced Preprints, there's a very good chance that one of the other Sage ABC journals may look at your article because they, when they do a search for your article, they'll see that Sage Advanced Preprints has it. They also want to see what kind of citations have occurred for your article. All right. And who are the peers that have been reviewing your articles and writing about your article? So it's a much quicker route to publishing and dissemination of your articles to a wider audience of peers who can be invited to review and critique your work. Refrain from publishing work in journals that demand a publication fee. Some of these journals ask you to pay. Uh, this is becoming more of a racket now. They you are so desperate to have it published that well, they'll say, that you, 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 we are going to charge you a fee for that, okay? So reputable journals, just please remember, will never ask you for a fee, okay? Just keep that in mind. I know I saw Iman raise her hand. Did you want to say something, Iman? Yeah, um, like um, you're saying that we can go for stage advanced preprints and things like that. Yes. Since you already know that I am trying to apply for a PhD program at different universities. Yes. Yes. What their demand is, since I was going through the applications, that you must have uh, published a peer review article, like something, and send us the link. So okay. if I'm going for Sage Advance, so I'm not fulfilling this requirement of the universities that it should be published in peer review. So, I mean, that is how correct. can you, uh, you know, justify this while sending your admission letters or things that it because according to you, what I understand is that they are equally good because you're getting there, you are getting peer review before you get them published. Here, you publish it and you get peer review and you can make better and, and correct yourself. If correct. I'm not wrong. Correct. So, now, like, it depends. If, they, if the university is saying that you definitely have to have a peer reviewed uh, journal article in place, published already, then of course that's a different issue. Okay. But if an if with a, with a supporting application, a lot of times they want to see, have you written any academic work? What kind of work have you written academically? What kind of responses are you getting? How many people are downloading your work? What are they saying about your work? Is your work being talked about? Is your work being cited? So when you go to Sage Advanced Preprints, their portal, the analytics will show everything at a glance. How many citations? How many people have commented on that? How many downloads? How many views? That sets the stage. But again, I'm not going to sit here and say, 
that if they require definitely uh, a, uh, a peer-reviewed journal article, then of course you have to go, go that route. But Springer Briefs is another one which you should keep in mind that is also very respected, international, but it is not peer-reviewed. It's reviewed internally by Springer. So it's a monograph, all right? So you are actually submitting that. They create a monograph almost like a book of your, of your entire thesis. Very respectable, by the way. So, and, and by the way, and this brings me into um, my last piece, which I will go really quickly in the interest of time. And those that have to leave can leave. But I received a lot of requests in the um, registration for this for people wanting to know how can they turn their dissertations into publishable books because they worked so hard for their master. And by the way, it includes master's thesis also. If you've done a really stellar master's thesis and you want to turn it into a book for a wider audience, right? There is a way to go about that. Okay. And here I'm going to share that with you. Okay. Uh, just give me a second here. Um, can everybody see this? Yes. Yes. It's visible. Can everyone see this clearly. Okay. All right. So there is a, whole process of converting your dissertation or thesis into a book. And one of the services, one of the uh, uh, things that I do is help scholars to convert their academic work into book form, into a Kindle, into a paperback, into a hardcover book. All right. And I also, for those that want to go the self-publishing route, which is quicker, we can do that. But I can also help through our team we have a team of editors. We have a team of actually conceptualizers, graphic artists. We can produce all that work for you so that when you pitch that to a regular publisher, so there's, understand the difference between this, this self-publishing, which is in your hands, you have more control over it. You own the copyright, you own everything, or a regular publisher. You're turning over the copyright um, to, to that publisher. And the publisher in turn publishes the book. If they find a book really valuable, they will offer you uh, some down payment uh, for, the, for the book. And then as the book is written, et cetera, et cetera. So we can help you create that entire manuscript, which will be more than likely accepted by a regular publisher. Okay. So what are the things that people find is when they do their doctoral work is so you publish your doctoral work on ProQuest UMI. How can I stop? So I can now stop worrying about it, right? Now that my dissertation is in the research thesis repository, lots of people will look at it. My work will find high visibility on the ProQuest portal. I will be regularly contacted by users of knowledge. Such, so much of that is untrue because once your work sits in the ProQuest repository, it's only a repository. It's a library of thousands, literally thousands of thousands of dissertations and thesis. So when people do a search, they might, someone might see your work, all right, and cite your work. But it's not a good way to present your work, present your research to the wider world. So if you're really excited about your research, you've done some cutting edge research, it's creative, it's original, you want to share it, then the way to go about this is, 
So once you're done with your PhD, once you're done with your master's, you're thinking, oh my goodness, I've run out of gas. I'm totally exhausted now. Spend so much money, time, effort. This is the time when you take a break and you think about how you can put your work to use, okay? For a wider audience, how can you disseminate your research? So your, your dissertation is consigned to posterity. Time and tide will wait for no one. Before you realize is your dissertation will be lost in literally hundreds and thousands, if not millions. So what are your chances of being found? Very, very low. You know, you've spent the time, you spend the sweat equity, your money, emotional and psychological stress. Hey, those of you that have gone through the PhD, you'll know, or even a master's degree or an MPhil, they're heavy. Okay, by the time you're done your dissertation, you're really exhausted. And sometimes you don't know what to do with it. Okay, you spent all this time just to get the MPhil. Yes, that's great. But what else are you going to do with this? So there's a way you can go about this. You worked hard for your PhD or an MPhil. Now make it work for you. What self-publishing provides you is a way to produce your work, your manuscript into Kindle, paperback, and hardcover books. It gives you instant visibility on Amazon, stature, because your book is now out there. You cite to give the people a link and they can go to Amazon and everybody's going on Amazon to look for stuff. And there you buy stuff from Amazon, you buy books from Amazon. And there are other portable, portables, uh, not portables, but portals um, that are there. But Amazon is one of the largest marketplaces. Money, okay, so you earn some money from royalties once your book is published there. So we, what are comprehensive services entail? And with this, I'm going to stop. Uh, a, but this is what we do. We the whole whole process we have of taking your dissertation, putting it through an ideation process, helping you uncover some areas where you can improve, editing your work, uh, proofreading your work, uh, and helping you with advertising, marketing your work. So we do that as entire process, All right? And here are some of the books, examples of books that I've helped publish. A lot of that, the books you'll see here are published for uh, doctoral uh, graduates. These are just some covers of the books that we have here. Okay, you'll see here. Okay, so, so with that, um, I just wanted to sort of quickly share that so those of you that are wondering how to go about, you know, creating more avenues for your research, creating more uh, work for your, uh, for this thing. How do you go about that? This is a way for you to, to um, disseminate your work to a wider audience. So I, with that, um, I'm back to where we started. Uh, I want to really thank you all. And for those of you that were expecting a lot more from this. I'm not going to apologize because I know how these things work. In a short period of two hours, you can only provide so much. Okay. And the process has just begun. Those of you that rise to the occasion and reach out to me for help, I will help you. I will guide you. I will coach you. Regardless of whether it's your dissertation or writing, or coaching you on how to go about stuff, I would be very happy to help you. But I don't know who you are. So 
you have to reach out to me and seek the help. I cannot go out there to each one, one of you and say, I'd, I'd love to help you out. That's just not my style. So uh, with that, uh, I want to be cognizant of the time. We went about five minutes or seven minutes over. I wanted to keep this, this session interactive and not too content heavy. The content you all can get out, believe me, there is plenty of content. If I sent you all the content, you will never read it. You'll put it aside. But at least we got some people's voices in here. Right, Go. At least we had some people yeah. share, yeah. share their thoughts, yes. their ideas with us. That was my intent, to get you your feet. And if you notice, this is a workshop, was, was a workshop for aspiring authors. It is not for people who are very seasoned, who have already got books and books out there or already got their journal articles out there. These are learners. I, I am a learner just like you. Okay. This was just to get your feet wet into the process. All right. So anything that you'd like to add? Anything anybody else wants to add here? Thank you, Anil. Thank you so much. It was really an interesting and informative session. And of course, uh, many people have uh, must be having many questions. And there was one participant who wanted to ask something, but I think she has left the session. She was Marilyn. So maybe she can contact you later. Dr. Yeah, Marilyn. Yeah, Marilyn. Yes, go ahead. Who is this? This is Anuja. I sent oh, yeah, you a paper. Yeah, yes. actually, I, I have been trying to write for good journals like Emerald and uh, Global Business Review for okay. last one year. And, uh, but somehow, uh, my paper is not getting accepted. It is getting rejected either for okay. desktop reject mm -hmm. or uh, for some other reason. Uh, the, the, my, um, I um, took expert um, review from uh, some of the faculties. They said the paper has novelty, but the but when I got the rejection mail, they said mm -hmm. there is no novelty. So mm -hmm. there is some some gap. Something is missing somewhere. Okay. Uh, and we, can, uh, and we, we we I'd be happy to do, to provide you some feedback on that. Uh, but let's let's open the floor to anybody else who has any um, uh, other questions or concerns or ideas or uh, whatever. Yeah, Romesha. Feel free. Romesha. Romesha. Uh, yeah, Romesha. Rome uh, Romesha? Hello. Uh, what's your name? Yeah. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Uh, Romesha. Right. Yes. Hi. How are you? Yeah. It's it's Romesha. Uh, yeah. I'm joining in from Karachi. Hello to all. Ah, wonderful. Uh, Welcome. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, uh, so uh, it's my first time with you, Dr. Anil, and with everyone. Um, I'm on board with you uh, in the group as well. And I, would I must say, uh, I'm here for the feedback. Not, I must say, it's, it's my first time, but I really enjoyed the, throughout the workshop. And it has been an interactive one, as promised. <laughs> so yeah, and, and I really got to learn a lot of things from here, not just uh, with Dr. Anil, but my rest of the uh, members as well. Uh, uh, I really learned from all of you. So uh, I'm really looking forward uh, uh, with Dr. Anil. Uh, and I must say that uh, uh, there's a lot to learn from him. So thank you all and thank you so much for uh, having uh, for giving us this opportunity to learn from this platform. Obviously, it's one of the draws of the pandemic, I guess, that we can join in from any part of the world to this. Uh, yes, it's so exciting to, to open this up for uh, discussion from 
uh, literally around the world and get so many yes. new ideas. Um, yes. Anyone else that wants to say anything? Kainan. Kainan. Kainan, Go ahead. Oh, hello, sir. Um, I have completed my master's from Jamia Mila Islamia. You, you came uh, and I attended one of your workshops. Of, yes, um, yes, yes. I, oh, wonderful. Were you in one of my yes. workshops there? Okay. Wow, yes, that's sir. Nice. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. So actually, I have a question. Like, uh, I completed my master's about a year ago. So okay. uh, since I was busy preparing for certain exams and now everything is at a halt. So I was thinking about uh, uh, publishing some paper from my dissertation itself. So uh, it would be helpful if you could suggest what should I do now? Like, should I publish, uh, try to write it? as it was or should i uh, go for okay. review of literature so, yeah given that the uh, we've reached the time boundary for today so kainat if you would be <clears throat> so kind as to address that question with me privately via email and i'll be happy to uh, uh, address your concerns okay definitely sir thank you because that's a, that's a very individual uh, situation for you and we can discuss that separately but I just okay. wanted to quickly open it out to anybody else who hasn't had a chance to talk during the uh, conference. Whether you want to ask or Sukanya Chakrabarti raised her hand. Okay. Sukanya. Yeah. Sukanya, yeah. go ahead. Hi. Hi, Dr. Anil. Uh, so my I'm also a postgraduate in psychology from Delhi University. And okay. uh, I'm also currently trying to publish my dissertation and I've already received a couple of rejections. So I'm also still wondering how best I can uh, adapt it so that it's suitable for a journal and I could uh, email you about that. But uh, right, now, right now what I wanted to ask is that I often am confused about how to uh, basically concretize the topic for my study. So I may have like mm -hmm. a broader idea in my mind, but I struggle to concretize it Concretize into something operationally, like operationally defi define what I'm working on. So if okay. you could share some tips on how to just go about. Uh, how, about, how, about we, how about we do that privately? Okay. okay. Uh, just, sure. and, and I'll be happy to share with you sure. whatever I can with you. Maima has raised her hand. Go ahead, Maima. Hi. So uh, my question actually is not so much about getting published, but it's actually more vocation specific. Um, mm -hmm. Somebody, in fact, one of my managers told me that uh, a single authored paper does not, and a series of single authored paper don't look good on your CV. You should have uh, like one or two or three more authors uh, show a sense of teamwork on your CV. But uh, what I had to ultimately do was I had written a hundred percent research. I had done the research myself and I had written all of the paper. And just because she made that kind of remark, I thought I'll just ask somebody else to co-author it with me, which is not. That's very, irre very irresponsible. That's very unethical and very, I'm sorry to say that I would never stand for that. If you've done all the work for a paper and just because they're saying that you have to have multiple authors there, come on, give me a break. That's your work. Okay. Now, I, now if they've come as part of a team and they're helping you with analyzing the data or putting some other stuff there, but they have to do the work, not just be a rubber stamp that their, their names come on top, okay? Uh, and I think there's nothing wrong with whether you are an undergrad or your master's degree or PhD, nothing wrong with having a singular author paper. If you've done the work 
and and if it's worthy of being accepted by a journal why not i don't know if that answers your question yeah actually that does because i was feeling very low about making that kind of decision and you really uh, sort of helped me there so thank you for that and it was really really insightful session okay thank you thank you um, if uh, anybody else yeah, any, many uh, many questions that were texted in the chat box uh, okay. you have already answered most of them uh, via okay. this presentation okay. yeah okay great so again you know i just wanted to uh, first of all i want to thank um, um, dr gul afshan very patient very persevering uh, very understanding uh, lady um, i've worked with her before and uh, she's just absolutely amazing so i want um, everybody to join in and thank uh, dr gul for doing such a wonderful job of moderating it's not an easy job to do okay because if i were doing the facilitating and the moderating myself it would become really almost impossible to do so thank you for that uh, gul uh, i appreciate uh, always your your help and thank then you. thank you also to thank you also to iba uh, sakar university for broadcasting live Uh, this session hopefully some people um have been able to take something off of that but that session was on their facebook page uh as we spoke but uh, hopefully that that'll get reach more people out there um yeah, but other so than much. that i want to thank you all and i know it's kind of late for uh, many of you for me also only 12 15 in the afternoon i'll shortly be going for my walk but um for um, for a lot of you it's late uh so i don't i i want to be mindful of the time and thank you we went about 15 minutes over time but i think it was important to leave yeah, open the floor to others here okay thank so you so much that, maybe we can address um, uh, other questions rest of the questions that we have not addressed in some other session yes yeah definitely okay so, thanks a lot thank you so much thank you so much okay. dr anil for okay, your bye 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 take care bye, bye. thank you